welcome to the Irish Pagan School podcast. Your hosts are authors and co-founders of the Irish Pagan School here in County Waterford, Ireland, Laura O'Brien and John O'Sullivan. Falcha. Back to ye, Focus Falcha. Hi, hello and welcome. It is John O'Sullivan from the Irish Pagan School and we are here with our weekly check-in coffee chat and question actually for today. And the question is about the power of names, which is a very, very fascinating one. So with Beverage on board, um, I'd like to first invite you to pick up a free resource we have here at the Irish Pagan School. It is available down in below or where you're listening to us in the description, and it is a list of good resources. Essentially, um, there are so much content out there. There are so many different kind of pathways to, to spirituality. It can get a little bit confusing and very crossed over and different kind of sources. Um, so, yeah, what we've kind of pointed out is a, a list of good, good practical kind of things to connect with if you want to follow the path of Irish spirituality as we present it at the school. Now, of course, this is not the only way to spirituality. This is not the only way to express your paganism. But when there are so many different paths to choose, sometimes it's good to know or to at least have someone you trust to say, you know, actually, this is where you want to be directing your energy and not over here because either it's appropriated content, it's irrelevant content, it's completely fictional content, or the person who's created the content is an inappropriate person in some way, shape or form. So pretty much save yourself the hassle, save yourself the the challenge or the additional effort of having to unlearn or relearn by just getting the resources right at the beginning. So um, that is what we have available for you. If you're interested, pop down, sign yourself up onto the mailing list, get connected with all of the other amazing free resources we give it, and then pick up that reading list and you know, maybe actually get into it as well. Don't just have it sit there in a file or folder. Like, you know, Maybe pick up a book, pick up something of it uh, and see what you can learn from it for your own growth and experience. So back to our topic there today, and the topic is inspired by uh, a comment that popped up in our community on our YouTube not so long ago. And it was, I was I was actually doing a video, I think it was about um, the different psychological kind of elements of um, persona and shadow and how some ways that can connect with working with the Morrigan. And someone mentioned on the comments that they were a little bit concerned because before they really knew much about their path, before they'd done a lot of the learning of the lore, they named their pet Morrigan. And they were concerned that that was in some way offensive or upsetting or like, and they, they really wanted to know what they should do about it or, you know, have they done something wrong? And what it really comes down to is this concept of the power of names. Now, I've talked about it in a couple of different ways before, like I've done classes on being a bard at the Irish Pagan School. And there's a lot of information about how the words we use help to define our perceptions of things, how we connect and how we integrate with things. It is it is part of our, our existence as cerebral creatures who communicate in this in this thing we call language in these mouth noises and sounds that kind of we have taught ourselves to make over generations um which you know differ from country to country differ from like locality to locality even in ireland there are multiple different ways to express your irish accent um or if you're speaking ac like your Gaelga, the language of ireland um i 
I speak what's known as like Dub or Dublin Gwelga, whereas there are many different other forms of pronunciation that go along, even though they're the same words. And so when we talk about, you know, all of this concept of how language defines things and defines our understanding of things and our connection to things, um, the words we use get very, very important very quickly. And uh, when we connect that with our psychological landscape, you know, from purely mental point of view, you know, if we are presented with certain adjectives which are described to us, then we inherently begin to identify with those adjectives. You know, people compliment me, for example, and it's like, oh, geez, you're so funny or whatever. I then begin to identify with this concept of funny or people go out of their way to be mean or harassing or terrible to myself or my partner in some way. And it hurts and it takes a lot of mental energy to not identify with these adjectives that you're being presented at or we're gatekeepers or we're mean or we're elitist or anything like that at all. Um, so even then, it takes up a lot of information or a lot of energy for us to be able to reconcile all of these words that are presented. Um, but the words themselves are crucially important because it's true language that we have definition, through definition, we have comprehension, through comprehension, we get to understanding. So this is why stuff in our in our I keep seeing, I keep being, as a male and presenting individual, I keep being presented with all of this toxic male bullshit in my social medias about, well, in my day, you know, we, we got jobs when we were 17, like we earned a living, like, you know, we were focused on like, you know, making right by our relationships and all the rest of it. Whereas you don't even know how to understand what a man is anymore. And it's all this kind of like twisted, stereotypical, fucking horrible, toxic, masculine bullshit, to be honest. Um, and <laughs> I'm 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 working up to doing a clap back to some of these things or my response to some of these things, because in those days, yeah, roll the clock back, take it back in my lifetime to the 1980s in Dublin. It was subsistence living. It was survival. Like we didn't really have any like there were no computers. Like the first computer that came into my household was, you know, an ex bank machine that used to be an Allied Irish bank that my mom as a cleaner of the bank had managed to bring home. I'd asked them, could they, you know, and that was to help us begin to kind of understand how computers were going to change and shape our world. And here we are 20, 30 years later, and I can hold up this small device in my hands, which has more powerful computing in a, a, a it is, it is, it's just fascinating, more powerful computing in, in a phone than the first like big massive computers that actually came into my household. Um, I think it was, yeah, the, we we actually the whole moon mission, putting someone on the like the the whole moon landing kind of stuff. Yeah, the equivalent like processing power of the computers that were used to put human beings on our on our lunar orbit on the moon, um, was outdone by the Commodore sixty four game console when it was launched all of those years ago, which blew my fucking mind when I found that out. Um, and here we are today with so much more access to this kind of to technology and how those are beginning to inform how we understand and connect with things. But it, it's because of the advancements that we've made that we are now able to actually take that step back and say, OK, well, you know, we do have a better society like we do have, you know, OK, now I'm saying we I am speaking about Ireland here. Like there are many countries in the world who don't have equality, don't have access to the same like resources that are like, you know, th there is first world countries, third world countries, and even that classific classification is upsetting and frustrating because we're all fucking humans at the end of the day on the one planet 
Okay, I need to get back on track so I don't get off onto a rant here. But we have the space and we have the education and we have the access to information now to see the inequality, to see like the harm that is being done. We're no longer just beholden to our local newspaper to tell us what the news is. I can now connect to like pick up a phone like and suddenly I'm reading the the news in France. I'm reading what's going on in Germany. I'm reading what's going on over in Iraq. I'm reading all the way over what's happening in China, the China, like, you know, economic status. You know, if I wanted to, I could actually just follow a streamer on, you know, Australia, you know, explore the news media in New Zealand and find out what they think about the Rugby World Cup at the moment. I have so much access to information. And so it's important that we begin to have a bit of discernment about how we interact and how we use that information, which then brings us back to the this definition and the words we need to use to define things and it's important to have the language around these discussions have the discussions around these languages because if we don't then we just fall into a status quo and we allow things to just carry on without having the social improvement that needs to come after all of this technological improvement after all of this you know improvement in lifestyle and longevity and stuff so how does this connect with words and names and someone naming their pet after an ancient Irish goddess? Um, in the same way that we define things for our mental comprehension with language, and then we define things for our emotional comprehension with language, like, you know, referring to people that we love, referring to, like, you know, our relationships, our family, um, our found family, our communities. You know, it helps us understand who and how we are connecting these things the same applies for our spirituality and our understanding and our ability to authentically connect with deity. And it is important to be able to use the right words, to know the right information so that then you are fitting your lens of perception as accurately as possible towards the divinity you're trying to connect and engage with. Now, you know, the god I work for is the Dagda, the Olahar. Like he has many, many names. Um, and in some stories, he's described as a, a big, huge, fat, affable man. In others, the stories he's designed, he's described as um, working and digging the landscape to create like the Rathbresh in, in the Hill of Tara. In another story, he is described as becoming sickly and weak because the meals that he should be have, like that he needs to consume for his health, a, a portion of those are being stolen from him. Um, so there is so many different pieces of information that create the perception of this deity. But in other stories, he's presented as harmful. He's presented as dangerous. He's presented as an idiot, an oaf or a lech, you know, and those stories are part of the information, are part of the lore. But it's understanding the broader picture and the broader like elements of it that we really begin to align our perceptions with how we connect with these deities and so that's where problems like you know people referring to sexy morrigan statues or right quite recently one came up in our groups of connecting her to the raven queen the raven queen is a fictional character from dungeons and dragons um and though this fictional character pulls a lot of elements from like corvid and you know, transformation and well death in in those circumstances the morrigan is not a death goddess um and people begin to kind of compare like for like, or people begin to kind of associate their perceptions of it. And that's where things begin to get tricky. So 
how does this link again to naming your pet after a deity? Um, you can absolutely name your pet after anyone that you want to name your pet after. But when we look at the interactions of those individuals, the energy that is connected with that definition of deity by use of that word, that is what you're attracting. That is what you're kind of connecting and applying to your pet. Um, and I've had stories like friends is like, you know, similar. This this is one person who commented in our community. They named their dog after their puppy after the Morrigan. Um, I, I wish the puppy well. Um, I doubt the Morrigan is going to like, you know, do anything harmful around it. But it is about understanding why did you do that? Like, you know, what is your intention around that? I knew someone who had a, a cat and they named it Satanta. Um, after like the the Irish anti-hero or like failed hero or I suppose folk hero maybe a character from the Ulster cycle Cú Cullen so Satanta was his early name and she had terrible difficulties with the cat until she renamed the cat <laughs> I knew someone else who had a puppy and they named it Puka and I was like oh it sounds like a really nice name it sounds like a really funny name to say but then when you put that in the Irish context, a puka is a malevolent spirit, which causes a lot of harm and danger to people who come across puka, either by, you know, ripping the arm off them or kind of throwing them up on its back if it's in horse form and taking them on a gallop all across the world, all across the world or on the island in a pitch of dark, causing them a near heart attack only to throw them in a, a ditch at the end of it all. Um, so, like, there is a lot of difficulty around what you are naming and what kind of that the entity will then try and live up to by the naming of it and so it's worth being very considerate around it um and names have power like the moment you understand a name you suddenly have a definition you have a definition which can then lead to insight or comprehension about that person like if i say my surname is o'sullivan you know straight away you may know Sullivan is an Irish surname. So there's an Irish association with me. Oh, if you know more about the O'Sullivans, well, they come from the south, southwest of Ireland, Cork and Kerry down in Munster. So suddenly you're able to kind of rationalize a bit more information in. If you know a lot of the history, you'll know that there was two branches of the O'Sullivan family, O'Sullivan Moore and O'Sullivan Bear. And there was a whole conflict around that. And then there was a final match of the O'Sullivans in like the, the early medieval period before the conquest of Britain coming in. But all of that is because you may have information that it connects with a word O'Sullivan. So we need to be careful. And this is what the rant really kind of comes back around to. Ask yourself honestly, like, you know, well, what is the intention of this naming? What is the, the purpose behind it? What is the energy you're attracting um, to these creatures, to these entities that, you know, you want to share your life with, be it, you know, you're engaging with your deities and you want to share your life with them respectfully in an authentic connection that we talk about and teach about at the Irish Pagan School. Or if it's the pets or the animals that you bring into your family, because they are family. Now, I my, my I had a Jack Russell for 16 years. He has departed there not so long ago. And, you know, I called him Russell. <laughs> Mainly because I looked at him and was like, what do I even call you? And the first time he made on contact me was when I said the word Russell. I said Jack or Jack Russell. And he looked, looked up to me. And that's how he became Russell. We have a cat now and her name is Hope. Hope Nito Beans. Um, and that's the name that she was presented when she was actually found with her tragic backstory as a, a survivor of 
being a discarded animal because we got her from a rescue. And to be honest, like the creature, our our current cat, I absolutely love the creature. I, I really do. And she does give me hope. She really absolutely does. Um, and it's that kind of connection and associations that we need to be aware of. And so are you going to annoy the goddess, the Morrigan, by naming your animals after the Morrigan? If you're looking for my opinion, personally, I wouldn't name a pet after the Morrigan. But if you're in some way trying to honor, connect and to associate energetically, then you might want to be very, very informed about what you're choosing to do um, before you apply that to any other living entity. Um, so it's a fascinating one. And it is a good, hopefully, discussion about our concepts and our perceptions of words and of names um, in a lot of different kind of cultures or different kind of spiritual practices there are things known as a, a magical name or a name that is you know the identifying of yourself from a magical point of view um i have not gone through any ritual practices myself but i do have a name that the trees called me um, and i'm i'm an absolute tree hugger i really really am if you take me anywhere outdoors i will probably somehow disappear and be found later hugging a tree or sitting having a conversation with the oldest or largest tree I could find. Um, but I've talked about that at a different time. But I do have an impression of a name that trees gave me. And I don't say that out loud. I don't tell that to anybody because that's not for anyone other than me and them. That doesn't make it special. That doesn't make me special because I have one. Like it, so anyone else who has a relationship with trees may find that they have a tree name. Um, but it is about understanding what the purpose of it is, which is creating something that helps define us, something that helps associate and focus our attention so that we can have comprehension of anything and everything that we want to connect with in our life and our existence. And then being being cautious about the words we use, you know, especially the words we use against ourselves. And those of us who have self-esteem issues, you know, using mean words against yourself, if you hear your own voice, telling you something you're more likely to believe it than if you hear someone else telling you something so be careful that the words that you use to yourself um and you know going back to that conversation i talked about persona if you're finding it uncomfortable or finding it difficult dealing with the adjectives that have been presented to you or placed upon you in some way shape or form intentionally make a different one intentionally choose different words and apply them to yourself and then live to those words. Live to someone who is courageous or brave. Live to the like, you know, someone who is honest, someone who is approachable, someone who is laughing or gregarious is that word. I love that word. We can do that. We have the will to do that. We have the the right to do that. We can choose. In the same way that we can choose not to um, take on board the words or the adjectives that other people try and apply to us. So this has been a banter about words and chats and talk. Um, when dealing with living creatures, living entities, maybe, you know, okay, I'm going to step into my personal opinion on this one. I wouldn't personally name an animal after a god. You know, um, the gods have their own names for a reason. The gods have their own ways of being identified. And if your spiritual path or spiritual practice is about building that connection and that right relationship towards your understanding of divinity in that way. Maybe it's best that you kind of treat that word itself as in some way sacred. 
treat the word itself because it defines a divine entity as something not to be disrespected. Now, I'm not saying don't say it. Like my one of my things is to actually say the doctor's name out loud every day. And I do. You know, and I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh, stub my tongue. I'm like, Dag to help me. <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's it's a way of kind of building that connection and that relationship with those entities. So I personally wouldn't be naming a pet after a particular deity. Um, but again, it is down to choice and all of us have a choice and all of us are allowed to choose. So um, thank you very much for hanging out with us. Thank you very much for joining me for this coffee talk and chat. As I said, I know it was a little bit rambly um, and I do try and honor when people try and ask us those questions down in our chats down in our community spaces um, and try and get back to them as best i can just to remind again pop down pick up that resource get on the mailing list like you know we don't we're very much conscientious of not bombarding people's inboxes in some way shape or form but we release a lot of content um and so we want to make sure people are, are connecting to it or aware of it when it goes out and then we do have those classes that we teach at the irish pagan school as well including the occasional offer so you know keep on the main list be worth doing and i will leave it at that i will say thank you very much for being with me gaurav mila mahagas for this chat actually i'll I'll confess it's tea it's a tea chat today not a coffee chat um but uh look after yourself take care and until next time Slan. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive review in your podcast listener. Then head over to irishpaganschool.com and enroll in one of our free or paid courses. Slán and we will see you next time.